In a world where busyness is worn like a badge of honor, it's almost impossible to imagine breaking free from the shackles of success. Working long hours, skipping meals, missing or being late to important life events, constantly playing catch up, exhausted to the bones. This has been normalized, especially in the medical and healthcare arena. Practice owners are fleeing to corporate practices or leaving medicine altogether in hopes of recapturing their time and energy. But you are here for a reason and you've been searching for answers. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Cherpesky. I'm an executive coaching consultant and time leadership expert. I'm mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back at least one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and falling back in love with their practice. Together we learn, connect with like-minded practice owners and medical business experts, and expand your connection to an international community of peers. In each episode, we discuss the business of medicine and healthcare, how to avoid the pitfalls of success, and how to improve the bottom line, paving the way to exquisite fulfillment in your career and life. Join us each week to learn how you can grow your practice while focusing on what you love most. You'll want to take notes. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Thriving Practice, the business podcast for medical and healthcare practices where we help provider owners grow their business and take back their time. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Beth Lachance, CEO of Riva Global Medical Virtual Assistance, a company providing healthcare professionals with unmatched virtual solutions. Riva Global is headquartered in Connecticut, and they employ virtual assistants in the Philippines. Beth shares how hiring a virtual professional can support a medical practice or hospital center at a fraction of the expense of hiring a full-time employee. A virtual medical assistant can support in many roles, including new patient intake forms, scheduling, insurance verification and prior authorization, review of referral information, electronic medical records and and revenue cycles, which might include billing, claims and collections, and then other administrative tasks as well. You will not want to miss when Beth talks about how their virtual assistants are an extension of your practice and how working with a medical VA can help improve your own white glove service to your patients and work in a very strategic fashion to gain the most benefit from working with a medical VA. Specifically, this kind of service can help with improving scalability by increasing profitability, the number of patients you can see, and maintaining your team and improving morale across the board. Beth's parting wisdom is really straightforward and I love it. She said, first, look at who's on your staff now and ask yourself, are they in the right seat? Are they doing what they're supposed to do and what they're best at? Take stock, sit with them and have the conversation to learn about whether they're able to work to their highest potential and if they're doing everything that they can and things that they would also enjoy doing, which can always, always improve morale. And her next piece of parting wisdom is to make sure that you delegate tasks to someone else, the tasks that don't belong on your plate, whether that's a virtual medical assistant or someone else in your practice, but make sure that you're delegating what doesn't belong on your plate. The benefits and much lower financial investment when working with virtual medical assistants is that it is a viable solution to an age-old problem, which in the medical world usually means 
In order to see more patients, you need to hire more staff to keep up with all of the administrative and billing tasks associated with a higher patient load. Working with an agency that does their own vetting, onboarding, and training can reduce the risk for you, also the time investment for you as a practice owner, while increasing your capacity and scalability. This was such a rich conversation that I know you're going to want to take notes, so you know what to do. Grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Beth and her great business insights. Beth, it is so great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming. Yes, I'm so excited to be here, Tracy. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. My face still hurts a little bit from our cracking up in the green room before <laughs> we came on. <laughs> Sharing the joys of parenthood at while working from home. Um, yep. Well, I'm very interested in your business and the conversation we're about to have. And so before we dive in, I'd just like to let our, our listeners know where you are in the world. Sure. Yeah. So I'm in the state of Connecticut. But all of our staff and everyone that works in Riva Global Medical are all in the Philippines. Gotcha. Yeah. Wonderful. So tell us about your business and, and we'll go from there, I think. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit as to how we even got involved in virtual assistance and being in that world. So my husband is in the real estate world and he invests heavily and had his own real estate company. And he hired a virtual assistant from the Philippines to help in his business. And so that was dating back like nine years ago. And so fast forward, he started a, vir a virtual assistant company. So eight years ago, he started a virtual assistant company. And because he really saw that there was a need, there was a need in that industry. And so I joined forces with him four years ago, uh, four years ago, last month, as a matter of fact, I joined forces with him. And ultimately, I came from, from a medical background, came from the medical world. So once I entered in the business, I immediately saw that not only was there a need, but there was a, an absolute great business that could, you know, could go kind of be launched off of the platform that he had already created on, on the virtual assistant side um, for real estate. So it was a no-brainer. It was just an absolute no-brainer that, that it was a direction that we needed to head in. And so with that, we launched Reva Global Medical and put together a fabulous training platform, a re recruiting training platform, and then a, a placements program to place with US-based clients. And so our US-based clients are, you know, anywhere from primary care to, you know, different specialties to hospitals, hospital systems, um, anywhere from simple tasks of picking up the phone and being that virtual receptionist, if you will, to sending up patient appointments, taking in full new patient intakes, especially in specialties. There's a lot of information that needs to come across taking in those new patient intakes. And then even taking a step further and doing insurance verifications prior authorizations. Those are very task heavy for the for internal staff, which a lot of times ends up being on, you know, on the shoulders of either the medical assistant in the practices or um, or the nurses. And so ultimately they're being tasked with those things. So and then take it a step further into actual, you know, fax review, handling faxes that are coming in, putting them directly into the EMR and tagging where they need to be tagged with particular patients and or uh, physicians that need to, to uh, look at the results that are coming in off of those faxes. And then revenue cycle, handling billing, claims, denials to collections, you know, everything and anything from within, within that. So we are really truthfully almost in every department of different mm -hmm. medical practices and or hospitals across the country. 
think that's remarkable. And I just think that, you know, some of the areas where my clients struggle and where their admin team especially is overburdened and they, yeah. and, you know, the, the drumbeat sound that I hear is we can never catch up. And when we finally catch up, then something else happens and we're just doing our best. And I'm thinking yeah. there's got to be a better way. <laughs> there's got to be a better way to do this. And I think a virtual assistant, I mean, I employ virtual assistants for my business so I can see yeah. the benefit just just from the business founder perspective. But sure. to think about all, all of these departments that are touched by the work that a virtual assistant can do. So to me, it sort of begs the question, which mm -hmm. is, you know, so yes, they can do all those things, but how much does it cost? Like, what, is, what are the benefits? And, you know, is it expensive to do that? Right. Great question. It is a fraction of the cost of what it would be to, to add more staff within your team and bring them into your office, give them office space, give them a, a desk, a computer, healthcare, benefits, taxes, you name it, right? All of those things are, that, are, that are part of hiring additional staffing. So it's a fraction of the cost. So you can hire a full-time medical virtual assistant from Reva Global Medical at $480 per week per full-time VA. And that is, that is it. It is a fraction of what it would cost to bring in someone here in, directly into your practice. What I do want to want to make sure that we quickly touch upon is there's such a bad there's a bad feeling or a bad thought process around virtual assistants like the word virtual the words virtual assistant. I've kind of coined them more or less the name of they're virtual professionals. Mm -hmm. These are professionals. They have a college degree, they have a four-year college education. A lot of the staff that come to work for us that we recruit and bring into Reba Global Medical have a nursing degree. They've graduated with a bachelor's degree in nursing. So they're virtual professionals. They're not just virtual assistants. And I think that the words virtual assistant has just really been coined as a negative thing or they're, or they're brought to a smaller task level or they're thought to be, oh, we can't really utilize them the way we would need to in our practice. And that's just not the case. They are virtual professionals. So they truly are an extension of the practice. Um, it is not just outsourcing and sending over tasks. They truly are a part of the team um, and are therefore part of the professional atmosphere of your practice. So you, you hire and you train these people and then right. there's maybe a bit of an onboarding process for a particular practice or medical center, but basically they're ready to go. So they just need to learn, like say, let's say I have a practice, they need to learn my systems and then that's it. Exactly. Your systems, your EMR, any of the tools that you're utilizing. So basically, it's just like onboarding a, a new employee to your practice. What would you bring that new employee through training? What type of training would you make sure that they go through? Obviously, if you're a neurology practice, there would be, you know, you're not necessarily being able to hire somebody that has neurology background. But, you know, you have somebody who has a skill level and a will that, of, you know, wanting to learn and is a fast learner and ultimately would be able to. So how would you onboard a new employee is basically how you would onboard a virtual assistant. The difference, however, is that we manage the VA. So we're on our end, we're actually managing the day to day of the VA to make sure that they're, they're number one, coming in every day on time and then hitting the KPIs, those key point indicators that you've kind of set out and that we've set out for the VA to be able to meet, right? So that productivity level, making sure that they're hitting the, the productivity levels and the efficiency that we're expecting and you're expecting. So 
that's the difference is that, you know, when you hire an employee or a new group of a team into your, into your practice or your hospital, you're responsible for managing them. Here, we're responsible for managing them. We have a full HR team. We have a full management team. And our client services managers are in touch with our clients throughout the day, throughout the month, you know, to make sure that things are going the way they need to go. That sounds like such a burden lifted if you think Mm -hmm. about, you know, just even thinking about, I work with practice owners and their teams and the practice owners wear multiple hats. They're provider, they're the strategist, they're the fire putter outer, you know, they do all the things. And the thought of bringing another person on either that they need to manage or even their practice manager, who often is also overloaded, would need to manage like taking that piece off of it, plus all the skill set that they bring to the table. I mean, it sounds like, sounds like a dream. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, that's, that has been one of the biggest components of our success and the success of the medical virtual assistants and the practices have been that client service manager. The client service manager is a key, key component to making sure, number one, it goes well, the, the, the onboarding goes well, and then it stays going really well. Um, but that also that whether it's the practice manager or if it's the front desk manager, whoever it may be within the practice, it's going to be that, that key component, right? Of making sure that they're, they're hiring the right VAs, we're bringing in the right people and then putting them in place and things are going well. Ultimately, all they're doing is saying, hey, we got, you know, for example, we've got the call analytics for last week. It looks as though there was 2% dropped calls and 3% calls were missed. You know, let's discuss that. And so then it's the responsibility of us to go back to our VAs and say, okay, let's discuss the, you know, the data analytics from the phone system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had, you know, a less call drops the week before. So what happened last week? How come there were calls that were dropped or whatever it may be, right? So that then is not the responsibility of the practice. They just need yeah. to tell us. And then yeah. we're going back to our VAs and then we're spending the time to coach them, finding out is it a skill issue? Is it a will issue? Is there a connectivity issue? Is there a phone issue? Right? Any of those things. And then and then it's our job to fix it. It's our job to then bring that information back to the practice that, okay, we've resolved the issue and and that's it. And so we're able to push forward. So that has been a huge component of our success and then the success with our clients. And that's why they've loved, loved working with us so much. Mm-hmm. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about sort of pre-pandemic and now current, yes. wherever we are in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I would love to hear just briefly like that, the, the difference now and, and the openness oh, yes. to working with people virtually at this point in time. Oh, yes. I mean, it is night and day. I, my conversations our sales calls with practices, you know, with whether it's the practitioner or the CEO of the practice or the CFO of the practices or, um, or even the practice manager, the conversations were a hard sales pitch on, you know, why they should do this, you know, why they set up the strategy session with me, but then ultimately I would need to really sell the idea, right? During the pandemic and then post pandemic, totally different conversation. I don't, I no longer have to talk about the why. They know it's possible, right? Everyone knows that, oh, wow, this is possible. You can have virtual staff and we can be efficient and we can be amazing and it can work out well and still do great patient care. Um, so now the conversation is really around, okay, how? How do we implement it? How quickly can we do it? You know, it's a strategy session on how do we get this up, be up and running and really work and work well for your practice based on the workflow and based on how your practice runs. 
So it's exciting. It's such an exciting shift for me because, you know, the why versus now (laughs) how, it's so much more exciting, right? Yeah. And then beyond that, one of the, one of the great parts about what we do in our business, because there's, there's, there's virtual assistant companies out there. There's options out there for this industry. But ultimately, one of the great things about how we are different from the other medical virtual assistant companies out there is that we are truly an extension of your practice. We work within your tools, your systems, how you want your workflow to be. We don't come in and say, okay, yes, we can answer the phones for you and do new patient intakes, but this is how it's going to work. And this is, you got to work into our system. That's not how we do it. And that's part of our success as well is that I don't need to recreate or change how you're doing something in your practice that works, right? Mm-hmm. It works the way you're doing it. You just need to scale or you need to handle there's, there's missed calls or there's patients that aren't being handled the right way or there's insurance verifications that aren't getting done in time before that patient's coming in. So that's all part of where we can, where, where we can make an impact. But ultimately, we're a true extension of the practice and we're working within the confines of the way you want things done. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that goes, ties back to being an extension of the practice, right? That it's, right. I mean, that to me, the word seamless kind of came up. Of course, there's onboarding and all of that, but like, right. yeah, you don't have to implement different systems or have two completely different systems operating in your, in your office. Like if your operations are set up a certain way, that's what the medical virtual assistant comes in and works with. I think that's, that's probably also a big relief <laughs> for your clients. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've had and I've had clients ultimately decide to utilize our services because of that reason. So for example, getting insurance verifications done or prior authorizations, for example, there's competitors of ours that you have to log in that, you know, the, the nurse or the practitioner would have to log into the system, you know, the tool of the, you know, of the medical um, virtual assistant company to, in order to access that information. No, that's an added step. That's a whole that that adds more work to your internal team. And that what yeah. we're trying to undo that, right? We're trying to make it so that things work seamlessly in the practice and are simple and easy and simplified. We want the practitioners and or all of the staff to be able to log into your EMR the way you would and find your patient and find the information there for the insurance verification. And that's what we're really great at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a, a great added benefit. You you mentioned scale, and I would really like to focus on this for a couple of minutes because I think sure. a lot of times medical providers, practitioners are really focused on patient care, whether they own the practice and have, you know, a stake and a shares in it, but sometimes get hung up on, well, I don't want to focus on money and oh, that feels kind of dirty and all that. But the reality mm-hmm. is if if we don't handle our problems before we grow and scale, then we scale and grow our problems. So I would imagine that bringing in very qualified people who are trained in the medical field and have a medical background to come in and and support with this is a great way and probably a nice avenue for scaling a practice. Oh, absolutely. And there's so many different ways that practices are scaling, whether it's, there's two, two different ways we can look at this. Number one, it's, you know, they're looking at the profitability the physician is being, or the physicians in the group are being, there's pressure for them to see more patients, right? Well, seeing more patients, ultimately, yes, doctors are hard workers, right? I mean, they are willing to push through and do whatever they need to do. But in the end, if they're seeing, used to seeing 30 patients, and now they're going to have to see 42 patients, that's, that's 12 more patients a day that the rest of your staff also needs to handle, 
whether those are patient phone calls coming in or their insurance verifications that need to get done, or then the billing piece, right? The nurse getting back to the patients about their about the lab results or whatever it is that the patient had to go do after they left. So all of that then gets pushed onto the rest of the team. And in many cases, the physician or the group will think, okay, no problem. We're going to see more patients. The doctor can handle this. They can do this but it's the, all the rest of it. And then the morale of your team goes down. Then you start losing good people, right? You start losing those key components to the rest of your practice to keep things going every day. So then your profitability ends up going down, right? Because now you're trying to then bring in new people. Um, and so that ends up being an issue. So ultimately, there's two different ways of looking at scaling. There's that, just mean, meaning to see more patients. Or, okay, we have, a, we have a physician group of five physicians. We're going to bring in two more physicians this year right? So that's scaling. And then ultimately not realizing that, okay, well, that might be only be one more nurse and two more medical assistants. But what happens with all those phone calls, with those additional, those additional patients are going to be seeing those two additional practitioners? What happens with all the, the back end, right, of the billing, the claims, um, everything that happens, it, you know, in the back end, more faxes are coming in. There's just so much more that happens in the back end also. So with that, there's a way to be able to scale scale efficiently, not break the bank, right? So ultimately, yes, it's a business. Medicine is still a business. And as a practitioner, many times we're able to look at, okay, yep, I want to see more patients. It's the CEO, the CFO, and or the, the office manager, the practice manager that's really looking at the bottom line. And so when you look at all of that, it's so Im- Im- important that you need to scale the rest of your team with that those physicians or that scaling because ultimately there's that much more work that's going to need to be done on the back end. So how do you do that without taking up more space? Do you physically have the space in your practice to add those people, right? And then also then the funding, right? So where are you going to get that additional budget? And so utilizing medical virtual assistance is a great way to be able to keep your staff the way they are, keep them the way they are, maybe add on a nurse or add on a medical assistant. Ultimately, it's all of the admin work, all the additional provider, the, all the additional things that need to get done on the backside that can be provided by a medical virtual assistant. And like we just already discussed in terms of cost, it is a fraction of what it would be to scale all of the departments. So um, it, it's just, it's a beautiful way to be able to maintain your team, keep the morale high on your team, right? Because you don't want to lose those great people. And as you want to add more patients in your, you know, in your day, or you want to add more practitioners into the practice to bring in more patients into the practice, ultimately, the rest of the team and the morale of your team may go down. So that's a, a key component to making sure that it all runs smoothly and everything on the back end continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- thank you for such a like complete answer in that, because I think there's there's so many pieces to think about that sometimes don't enter the radar screen of the provider if what they're really focused on is patient care. And I feel like this, adding this to the mix, bringing in very qualified people to do very, you know, high level and technical work, just frees up all the providers, the nurses, the techs, the the, uh, medical assistants and the physician providers to do what they do best, (laughs) which is focus on patient care. I think I I would imagine that probably there's some metrics out there, but that that can be connected then to better outcomes, obviously higher patient satisfaction, but also maybe better outcomes. They're less likely to miss things if they're not stressed and feeling that or less stressed and feeling that pressure or rushing. Yes. Oh, absolutely. 
especially within the within the, the support staff or the support team of the physicians, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, it's the support staff that gets all of the information put into the EMR. They make sure that they've got all the referrals, they've got all of the you know medical information from other practices that need to come in and be and be in the system. So all of that as part of that support team. So it's additional pressure on them. And there's there's things that get missed, of course. I mean, we're all human, right? But with that much more workload being brought in, there's going to be more misses. And therefore, patient care is going to go down. And also, more patients are not going to be happy with your practice and may seek somewhere else mm-hmm. for care. Yeah, for And sure. that's a really key component. And we all know, like, it's becoming competitive out there. You know, uh, it's it's really competitive. And so... There are specialty practices and even primary care physician practices that are really working towards that white glove service. They want to make sure that their patients are happy. So they're surveying their patients. And then they're really looking at those surveys at the end of each month to see, okay, where where do we stand? And how long they're on hold, how long it takes to get an appointment, how long, you know, if they walk in and they still... They, they realize that that first consult with the, with the physician, that the physician doesn't have all, the, all your paperwork. You know, that's, that's going to affect how the patient feels about their care at that practice. And we, we all care about that, right? As administrators, as consultants, as a patient, we care. So, um, so it's important that that's where, you know, medical virtual assistants also come into play. If you're bringing in virtual um, medical assistants to help picking up, pick up the phones. So that you've got a patient standing in front of you, a live patient standing in front of you, but the glass is closed. As how long is it okay with you for that patient to stand there with that glass closed waiting to get checked in, right? And it's because their phone calls are coming in. But then how long do you want those patients on hold while you're checking in that live patient in front of you? So all of those things are, need to be weighed. They need to be weighed and you need to figure out as a practice how do I, how would I want to be cared for when I walk into this door? How do I want the system? How do I want it to go? How do I want the process to feel to me? And then ultimately, if I'm calling in and I'm the patient, do I want to be put on hold every time I call? You know, how long? Probably not. I'm always delighted if it's less than a minute. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it's, it's part of medicine. It's part of what we're doing. However, now it's so Every practice is getting really busy. Everyone is fighting for great team members. Everyone's fighting to, to hire the right people and keep them there. So this is all part of that process. But it also, we need to make sure that we're taking really great care of our patients. And it's becoming competitive out there, even amongst patients and their options of the practices they can go to. And so why lose your patients? You want to bring your patients in and you want them to stay with you. And this yeah. is part of, the, part of the piece of the pie that can help with that. Totally. And it's, and you know, Retention is important in business. Like this is a huge piece of the puzzle that sometimes we forget about. We're usually looking mm-hmm. at acquiring new. And this is retention is the big thing because they can be returning. They can be mm-hmm. referring. <laughs> yes. So we want to keep people happy yes. no matter what our business is. But especially when it comes to people's health and, and wellness, like this is, it's very, it's very personal and we want to feel like we're being taken care of. I feel like this. Absolutely definitely facilitates freeing that up and and creating the right environment for for higher service. I mean, I love I love that you were saying, you know, white glove service that you don't necessarily need to ju- just be going to see a specialist to expect that that you can right. maybe have that at your primary care physician and like, you know, just feel like you love them. <laughs> Absolutely. And feel like you know that I'm not just another number. I'm just mm-hmm. not another patient. I'm not going to get forgotten about. 
Yeah. And in a lot of practices, that's what it's kind of turned into. And and I'm a patient. I know. Right. So like I, I'm a yeah. patient. I have three children. We are at the dentist office. We're at the orthopedic office. We're, at, you name it, we're everywhere. <laughs> All over town. <laughs> and ultimately, that's one of the very first things is that, you know, any practice that I feel like, should I call and follow up? I, I feel like, you know, it was really, really busy that day when I was there. I, I should have gotten a, f- a phone call back by now about the results. And so I don't, I don't want to feel that way. And I'm yeah. in this business and yeah. I don't want to feel that way. Yeah. So ultimately, if that's something that every practice manager can kind of sit back and, and say, okay, what is the patient experience coming into our practice? How can we make it better? And a lot of times, yes, that may mean additional staffing, but it doesn't have to break the bank. Like yeah. it doesn't have to do that. And there's ways to be able to delegate some of the things within your practice to a medical virtual assistant or medical virtual assistants to really, really help your internal team. And then, uh, and then most importantly, your patients. If somebody were listening today and thought, wow, this seems like a really viable option, what would you tell them? What would you advise that they do? So my advice first would be really sit and look at who do you have on your staff right now? Are they in the right seat? Meaning, are they doing the job that they should be doing? Do you have, you may have team members that are really, really great. They are super bright. They take initiative. They're hard workers. They're smart. They kind of check every box, right? And you depend on them in so many ways. But in the end, are they doing 10 or $12 an hour tasks? Right. Are then, are, is your, is your top RN in your practice doing a $10 an hour, a $12 an hour task when they would be billing much more than that if they're spending time in a different area? So ultimately, that's really what I think the very first thing is take stock in your team. Who do you have? Where would they be best fit? Obviously, sometimes we're busy. We're busy practices. Like we just, we've got a warm body. We depend on them. They're great. Right. But ultimately, are they in the best spot? Are they in the are, are they in the best role there? What can you potentially take off of their plate to free up their time so that they can be doing something either more of something that they're really great at or trying to trial them out in a new role or slightly changing and delegating some of the some of that position to something slightly different? But taking some of the tasks that's ten and twelve dollar hour tasks off of their plate and that's something that a medical virtual assistant would be able to do for them. Mm-hmm. So that would be one of the very first things I would say do. Take stock in that. And we all know that competitive, it's so competitive right now. You can lose your top people to, you know, a neighboring practice down the street that's offering a $5,000 sign-on bonus or $2 more an hour or a four-day work week instead of five. Like there's different ways that people are getting really, really, um, you know, they're getting creative on trying to attract talent. You don't want to lose your talent to someone else, right? Yeah. So you really need to take stock in what's the morale of my team? You know, who do I absolutely cannot lose? Who would it would really impact my business, my practice, my patients if they were to leave? And making sure that, okay, am I utilizing them the right way? Do they love their job here? And how can I keep them? And so once you kind of figure that out and you take stock in that, then figure out, okay, that may mean that I'm going to have to delegate some of their tasks to someone else. And who should that be? Is it a medical virtual assistant or is it somebody else in the practice that we kind of realign people's roles? So that's where I would start and go from there. Mm-hmm. And even if you have those tough, conver- it's a conversation you can have with some of your team members too, with some of the people that you do not want to lose. Sit with them, find out. And a lot of times we don't want to poke the bear. 
many times as, as business owners or as practice managers, we don't want to poke the bear. And poking the bear would be sitting down with someone saying, what don't you like about your job? What do you love about your job? And find that out because if you don't know that 50% of what they're doing, they don't like, you can lose them to a different practice. Absolutely. And, you know, leadership pro tip, the more willing we are to have those difficult conversations, the happier our teams are. Absolutely. It's, it doesn't yep. usually poke the bear unless it's already become, you know, toxic and, and you know, untenable for them. Right. Usually it's, it's very welcome and has great results. Absolutely. And then your team also knows that you really care about yeah. them and, how, and their morale and, and how much they really love their position and value their, their role there. So mm-hmm. if you show that, um, that will also, even if you can't make immediate changes for them, obviously, if you're, you know, you're bringing these things up to your team, you're bringing them up to some of your, some of the people in your practice, you know, you can't make immediate change, but you know that they're going to know that you care enough to really try to make it so that they love their role, that they feel mm-hmm. fulfilled in their position at the, at, you know, at the practice. That's a big part of the morale that happens, right? And so if they know you're making even little tweaks to make their day better, you will have team members that number one won't ever leave, but they absolutely will work even harder for you and will be an amazing team member. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. I mean, this is like we were saying, it can be a little challenging to find good people and good people who will stay. So this is a way, I think, to you have the conversations. If you bring in more team members or you move stuff around, whatever the, the, you ultimately choose as a solution, it improves morale. And there, that has a ripple effect across the practice, across people's lives outside of work, can have an impact on, you know, everything. So it's definitely oh, worthwhile. Absolutely. And then your patients see it. We, mm-hmm. you know, before we started this podcast, you and I were talking about just like you feel as a patient, you can feel tension in a practice. If the medical medical assistant that's taking your weight and your blood pressure over the is already irritated and isn't making eye contact with you, and you don't really feel like they're really paying attention to your needs and what you're telling them, they're just jotting down what you're saying, you know, that impacts your patient experience, right? Um, so ultimately, this is all part of that, right? Yeah. Making sure that it comes across also in to the patients from your team. So if your front desk is irritated and your receptionist is not warm and welcoming, imagine if your front desk receptionist, if, if the team up front, as soon as somebody walks up, they can open the de- they can open up that sliding glass door and they immediately have all attention is on the patient. Imagine how that feels for not only the patient, but also for, the re- for that receptionist at the front desk, right? Yeah. So they know that, okay, well, the phones are being picked up right now by the medical virtual assistant. I know that those patients are covered and I can put all my attention towards this patient right in front of me. Yeah. So it ultimately affects everyone. It affects everyone. Yeah. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I just have one final question for you, which is sure. where can we send people to find you? Yes, absolutely. So it, Really simple. You can go right to our website, www.rivaglobalmd.com. And that's the best place to to go because ultimately, not only is there a lot of information there, there's client testimonials. You can hear what some of our medical virtual assistants sound like so that, you know, because obviously that's always something that comes up. Well, how do I know I'm going to get somebody that sounds really good? Listen, go right to our website. You can listen to what some of our medical virtual assistants sound like so you know what caliber we're hiring. And then beyond that, you can also set up a strategy session to meet with me or meet with someone in our team to talk about 
medical virtual assistants, how we can make an impact in your practice. And we can answer any questions that you might have. Wonderful. We'll make sure that there's a clickable link in the show notes. Well, just thank you so much. I, I feel like I learned a lot. I feel I don't even own a medical practice and I feel relief for providers and owners and management teams. Just knowing that there's another way that doesn't break the bank, that really opens up possibility for growth and expansion if it's wanted. And also for, you know, I'm hearing a lot about burnout and I'm hearing a lot about turnover and how challenging that is. And I would love to see the people who have our health in their hands fall back in love with doing this thing and and have the opportunity to, to experience a sense of fulfillment, if not, you know, joy in their work most of the time. So yes, I think this absolutely. is a great way to do that. Yeah. Yep. And we all as patients love walking into a practice that feels like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all yeah. love that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, Beth. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad you had me. Thank you so much, Tracy. And I'm excited to be here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you coming here week after week, dear listener, to listen and learn how to elevate your leadership, grow your practice, and to think and act like the high-impact CEO provider that you're meant to be. I have one request of you. If you've benefited from this show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review with your thoughts on the show. Your feedback and review help us get in front of other amazing practice owners just like you. Thank you again for listening and until next time.